This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Jane Brown for Libby Snymer. Libby is back next week. She is on assignment this week. Tweets by U.S. President Donald Trump get almost daily attention, but it's only from time to time that Canada's prime minister gets in trouble for his tweets. But when he does, there seems to be much criticism. His tweet in remembrance of former communist Cuban leader Fidel Castro after Castro's death comes to mind. Then there was the Welcome to Canada tweet inviting refugees from around the world to come to our country. And now there's the tweet to comedian Trevor Noah. Trudeau tweeted it out on Sunday morning. Hey, Trevor Noah, thanks for everything you're doing to celebrate Nelson Mandela's legacy at the festival. Sorry, I can't be with you, but how about Canada pledges $50 million to Education Cannot Wait to support education for women and girls around the world? Work for you? Let's do it. End of tweet. So what do you think about the way he delivered that news? And just to offer perspective, the Director of Communications for the International Development Minister says the $50 million is part of $400 million in aid previously announced during the G7 summit in Charlevoix, Quebec, this past June. 416-360-0740, toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. Let's go to our guests to get their opinions first. Warren Kinsella, former Liberal staffer and a Toronto-based lawyer, author, and consultant. John McEtitian, conservative activist, political consultant, and president of Bradgate Research Group. And Lauren Sheriff, founder and CEO of Two Social Inc., the social media agency. Hello to all. Hey there. Hello. Okay, Warren, go ahead. You're first. Let's fire away. Well, I don't think, uh, I don't have any objections to him using Twitter. Um, you know, many politicians routinely use Twitter these days. And it's got a lower cost than the old-fashioned way, and it reaches journalists. My problem with it was the tone and the timing. I thought that it was glib. Uh, it felt like it was attention-seeking, you know, kind of swooning over a celebrity in the United States. But it was the timing that I think was most objectionable when, uh, you know, the terrible events that happened in Oshawa the same week, the bottom falling out of the economy and the oil patch in Alberta, my home province, the same week. It just really seemed tone deaf and it really seemed inappropriate to be announcing something that big, that much money in that way. And that's why I objected to it. Not to mention the people and the children who are suffering in this country and indigenous communities where they still don't have clean drinking water and a lot of children are committing suicide. Uh, That was one of the first things I thought of. That's an excellent point. The Assembly of First Nations, to your point, um, is meeting this week in Ottawa to discuss those very things. I think the Prime Minister is speaking to them this afternoon. So it just really seemed, you know, it was a worthy cause. It just really seemed tone deaf 
in terms of the timing and the way he expressed it. He sounded like a teenager calling into, you know, a top 40 station to request a song. It really didn't sound or feel like a prime minister to me. Yeah, John McEtishan, I actually thought it was one of those spoof accounts when I first read it. That's, I mean, and then I had to look at it and say, no, that really came from the prime minister. Well, you know, I guess our prime minister's decided to move on from being, you know, the selfie prime minister and the sock prime minister to now being the fanboy prime minister. Um, uh, you know, uh, you know, it just makes you shake your head uh, in a time when, as Warren said, these these causes are, uh, you know, laudable. They're, you know, nobody can argue with with the idea right but but when you actually dig into the coverage of these uh, uh of this story a 50 million dollar charity it's actually part of a 400 million dollar uh uh pledge mm-hmm. to give to causes outside of canada and, and you got to say wait a minute is it, what about what about our own country when there's no money for veterans no money for indigenous people no money for alberta uh, it's it just totally out of sync. And I guess the thing that's most shocking for me, and not that uh, I'm cynical, and I know Warren might be cynical, but I'm not, <laughs> uh, a, a year before an election, um, you would think that a government is on a lockdown where they wouldn't be doing any missteps, where they would be taking ultra precautions to make sure that nothing can be uh, negatively blow back on their government. So maybe, you know, is this a sign that uh, they don't know there's an election coming or just that they've already taken it for granted? And, uh, you know, for, for all intents and purposes, uh, they don't care because they assume a second mandate. Uh, for full disclosure from our part here, uh, Michelle Saunders, our producer, obviously reached out to uh, the Liberal government in Ottawa to get somebody to come on and talk about Justin Trudeau's tweet and and the perspective of why he did it and in the way that he did it. But uh, no one had the time for us today, unfortunately. Lauren Sheriff, you are a social media expert. Uh, what are your thoughts on the way in which Justin Trudeau, our prime minister, delivered this $50 million news? Yes, well, I think we can all agree that Twitter has become an acceptable platform to make such announcements, and, and social media platforms are now key components of politicians' digital communication plans. However, what we typically do with large corporations or internal stakeholders is we create corporate codes of conduct, and that aligns with guidelines of what they would say, tone, voice, approach, and such. And I would assume that um, at the level of PM, there would be a policy in play for such matters. It's not unlike him to make announcements via social media, but perhaps where the issue has become more of a discussion online is the fact that it was directed to Trevor Noah, a celebrity, versus an announcement to the Canadian people. So I think at this point, it's more a public relations crisis management issue. Um, What we would have is someone readily available to manage the conversation post-announcements as it continues to gain traction and uh, kind of be a trending topic through Twitter is how they're going to approach it now. Well, and help us understand, I'm sure you have the tweet in front of you, how should that tweet have been delivered, if it should have been delivered by Twitter at all? Well, I think it's acceptable to have these types of announcements through Twitter. It's not unlike him, as I mentioned earlier. You know, he puts out live Facebook videos, and he uses Instagram quite actively. So, 
I can't, it would be opinion based at this point, but what he may have done is um, perhaps approached it as an announcement that he was going to be doing this versus a comment to a celebrity. Uh, and interestingly enough, uh, the group Education Cannot Wait replied to his very casual tweet with a, a very professional official response saying the funding will provide much needed gender responsive education for girls living in the midst of crisis in war zones and refugee camps in displacement and in emergency settings. So there was nothing casual or high-fiving about their response mm-hmm. a- at all, Warren. No, and you know, that uh, speaks well of them. Uh, it, 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 it's a lot of money. And it was money, I know some conservative MPs suggested initially that it was unallocated money. It hadn't been budgeted. It would be a massive scandal if that were so. So that was not accurate. It was, as you pointed out off the top, money that had been set aside in the context of the G7 meeting a few months ago. But, I, you know, it sounds like we all kind of agree it's a worthy cause. I mean, there's no more worthy cause than, you know, assisting women and girls in the third world in need of protection and education and Mandela. Like, it, it, it this should have been easy. But instead, regrettably, and I, and I feel badly for the organizations or the recipients, they're kind Kind of being tarred by you know this kind of adolescent tone that Trudeau adopted, and that is really regrettable. And you know he he deserves some criticism for that as well. Uh, what should he come out and say, John McIntyre? What what's I mean because what's done is done. Uh, it's not the end of the world. It's a learning experience for sure. Uh, what should he say to to try to make good on this? I don't think there's anything you can say. I mean, you know, once you're tone deaf and once you've made the the point, I mean, it's it's not something that is so severe that uh, you know uh, you need to take uh, action to to walk back from it. And on the other token, so it'll only make it worse. The more time is spent on this. I mean, for them, they just hope it's a one day bad story and move along. Uh, but it it adds to the you know it it adds to the um, to the talking points, uh, you know, that his detractors will use in the upcoming campaign. It, it adds to the bone of contention among all those groups that he won the support of in the last election, that by saying he was going to be different and his government was going to be different from the, the previous conservative one. And, you know, it just brings to bear the reality how much that has not been the case. John, should we give him a pass for this? I mean, there are mornings where uh, the media in the United States is critical of Donald Trump's tweets multiple times on multiple days in a row. It isn't very often that Justin Trudeau has a misstep, to be fair. Well, but there's also a volume issue there, right? I mean, on one hand, you're talking about somebody who tweets nonstop. And, you know, I mean, so they're completely different leagues. Uh, also in the content, um, you know, so I, I think, you know, for Trudeau, you know, you said give him a pass. I don't think you give him a pass, but, uh, you know, this isn't all, this isn't going to be a story we're talking about all the way through the Christmas holidays. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just a, another, you know, bad, regrettable, uh, in their world, hopefully forgettable day as soon as possible. Uh, the question is putting more good news from their perspective on top of it. Um, but, but getting into any version of explaining or, you know, it just makes it worse for them. And Lauren, what do you think about that? 
I think from a social media perspective, his team, and I'm sure there is a team there, should be online ready to address any of the concerns and the numerous tweets that are coming in to sort of back up his approach and his announcement on this. Um, to add a little bit more context to it, to answer the questions of the Canadian people. I think social media can be a very powerful way to communicate your ideals and I think align with your brand image. At the end of the day, he's a brand, and his brand represents transparency and authenticity, and he's shown that through his tweets, through his content, and the way he uses his social platforms. So I think the only way I would typically instruct moving forward with this is in that kind of crisis management perspective of answering the tweets and connecting with the people that are um, finding issue with the way he approached this announcement. Warren, you know, it's just sort of dawned on me right now. Um, Justin Trudeau, I think we would all agree, has shown great restraint when it comes to uh, reacting to flip comments or off-the-cuff comments made by Donald Trump, particularly through the renegotiation of the North American Free Trade Agreement. Mm -hmm. But these three tweets that I mentioned off the top, uh, praising Fidel Castro, uh, welcoming refugees from around the world, now this, hey, here's $50 million for your cause, it's it's showing um, he doesn't have the restraint with his emotion when it comes to positive messaging. He, he seems to have it with with showing restraint with with uh, responding to negative messaging, but it's it's just kind of he gets excited or something before he vets it through maybe a group of staff members or consultants or what have you, Warren. Right, and I think maybe. It really boils down to what his brand is, and that goes back to the social media policy. I'm sure that he has a team there that's mapped that out for him. I doubt very much, even from Donald Trump's perspective, I doubt very much he's sitting on his phone and, and, and really just tweeting from his chair. I'm sure there's a team involved in the type of messaging that's going out to, that's going to represent him and the nation. So that may be part of his brand. Warren, go ahead. Yeah, no, well, I think you should hire Lauren, because I don't think they are doing that. Like <laughs> right. It's, you know, this, from what I understand, this tweet, like the other, you know, he's the Prime Minister of Canada. Mm-hmm. He's not generally just firing stuff off from his iPhone. Like this, this tweet, the one we are talking about, had been in the hopper for quite some time. Like they had a whole, they probably had meetings about it. You know, what should he say and when should he say it and to whom should he say it? And that makes it all the more unforgivable. Like when you've got a team, as Lauren just pointed out, you know, you should be catching stuff like this. And as to, you know, he is, as you you pointed out, he is capable of restraint. God knows when Trump was calling him dishonest and weak in June, um, you know, Trudeau, I think all of us, Doug Ford included, would have liked to have seen Trudeau shoot back, but he, you know, he bit his tongue and he held back. Um, so to see him doing this, I mean, the, the problem, the, Trudeau's got good news and bad news. The good news is, you know, he's seen as a better option than his opposition at the moment. That's what the pollsters say. And Canadians generally like him. The bad news is, if you go back to his India trip, which was in the news again yesterday, um, he dropped because of the very thing we're talking about, where Canadians, while they like him, feel that his judgment may not always be the judgment they want to see in a prime minister, mm-hmm. where he starts to behave like a teenager, you know, on on steroids. And uh, that's where he gets himself into trouble. They like him, but they 
they have a hold back about him. And if he has many more of these types of incidents, whether it's in India or with Trevor Noah, in an election year, uh, as John will tell you, that, that could spell a lot of trouble. I want to keep talking, but we do have to pay some bills. We're going to take a quick break. Uh, Also, the phone lines are jammed. Uh, Continue uh, to give us a call. Uh, We'll get to the Zoomer radio phone lines right after the break. Uh, I'll give you the numbers one more time. Trudeau and his latest tweet, 416-360-0740. Toll free, 1-866-740-4740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Zneimer on Zoomer Radio. Jane, for Libby, until next week, good to have you along. We're talking about uh, the tweet that is getting negative attention across party lines, pretty much made by Prime Minister Trudeau on Sunday morning to Trevor Noah, offering $50 million in a very casual way to an international education fund. On the line with us, Warren Kinsella, John McEtitian, and Lauren Sheriff. Let's go to the phones now. Judy in Richmond Hill, you've been waiting. Uh, what do you think about this? I'm trying to click on on Judy here. And she's not coming up. Okay. Justin's going to get Judy on for me. <laughs> Judy, are you there? Hi, Judy. Go ahead. Okay. Well, isn't this $50 billion? Isn't that taxpayers' money? $50 million is taxpayers' money, yes. So how come we don't get a say in where it's put? And that is a good question. Uh, I, I'll put that to our experts. Uh, John, I think maybe you were up next here. Uh, the spokesperson for one of the cabinet ministers said that this type of funding they've had their eye on since it was announced in Quebec City. The decision to announce the $50 million was made three weeks ago. Officials have been talking about giving to education cannot wait for months. How does that work where they uh, make a decision on who is going to get the $400 million? Well, you, you know, four hundred million. I thought it was fifty. Well, it's fifty million, but the whole announcement was for four hundred million. This is fifty million of that. John, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, the reality here is you've got lots of committees and bureaucrats making recommendations and looking at the options. But uh, to go to this lady's uh, question, the heart of it is uh, Canadians only get a say uh, once every four years, uh, unless we're lucky enough to have a minority government. And the reality is we have to make a hundred different decisions all blended into one. Who's going to be our you know, next government? Who's going to be our prime minister? And who's going to be our local representative? Even there, we get one vote. So voting and, and to, to, write, to pick the right people to make all of these uh, thousands and thousands of decisions uh, is the most important thing we can ever do. And this is what you're seeing is the results of that decision that we made uh, three years ago in picking uh, the current Liberal government. But you know what? They, they, all, all the politicians say they're going to do all kinds of things, and they never do them. Well, that is a long-running problem with politicians, Judy, that is for sure. They make a lot of promises. Let's go to Tony in St. Catharines. Hi, Tony. Go ahead. Join the conversation. Thank you for taking us. Okay, why doesn't he give his own money away to all these out-of-country donations. I mean, don't we need it ourselves? The military can't even afford a sleeping bag. He gave some money to Palestine. Now they got bigger rockets going into Israel. I don't get it. Well, Warren, this is part of the complaint, right? Yeah, it is. I mean, you know, and like I said a few minutes ago, 
the timing of it was one of the problems that I had as well. Um, you know, when Oshawa was hammered in the way they were by GM's announcement about pulling out, when the price per barrel on oil in my home province of Alberta has got people uh, desperate, like desperate for, for help, it just really seemed like a bad idea for the Prime Minister of Canada to, you know, sound like a fanboy with an American TV host uh, with our, as your caller points out, with our money. It is... You know, it's, our, it's a lot of money, and it's taxpayers' money, and it's just people expect that it's going to be dealt with in a more serious way than it was with his tweet. Although certainly we do have a responsibility as a G7 nation, as a wealthy nation, to, to help those less fortunate around of the course. world. Yeah, absolutely. Let's go to Fred in Paris, Ontario. Go ahead, Fred. Hello. Hi. Yeah, getting uh, about the tweets. Uh, you were talking about Donald Trump's tweet. Yes. Donald Trump doesn't give money away every time he tweets like our prime minister does. And the tweet just goes and shows just what an incompetent person he is. And I think one of your panels said there about his popularity. Well, I'd like to him to come down into my area and take a poll on Mr. Trudeau. We want him out of there as soon as we can get him out. I hope he calls an election quick because he will not be back in. He's incompetent. All right, Fred, thank you for calling with your opinion. Um, Lauren, that uh, brings to mind a question. What does Justin Trudeau do well in terms of his social media? Because clearly this was a mistake. It was a misstep. Uh, and and hopefully at some point he will admit that in, the, in today or in the coming days. Uh, but generally, does he do a, a decent job with his Twitter feed and Instagram? I would say so. I mean, he really uses those platforms to, again, be transparent and be approachable, roll up his sleeves and do those online live videos, uh, reach younger voters. And I think he's really um, acted as a role model in that way and um, uses his social platforms to, for the most part, um, speak on positive issues and put out positive messages. And I think that's a, a real comparison to Trump and the type of content he uses on his feeds. Okay, so let's. Uh, I think, you know, um, it's really an opinion on if he's using his social platforms well. It boils sure. down to what his strategy is. And again, if this tweet is successful or a misstep, is determined by what his strategy dictates. They may have chosen to take in this approach to see what the feedback is going to be from the online audiences. So. Um, whether or not this is a misstep or a success is to be determined, and what their goal with putting it out this way is, um, I, I wouldn't be able to tell you. In your opinion, though, world leaders, when they tweet, should there be a set of criteria that go around these tweets? Absolutely. I mean, there should be a, a criteria for world leaders as well as business leaders. Um, you're representing a brand and you're representing a group of people, so there has to be a code of content. We create codes of contents called social policies, not just for personalities, but also for businesses at large. So I think there has to be the right strategy and tone and voice and approach to every piece of content you're putting out, especially when you're representing a group of people versus one person. Okay. It's no longer just an opinion. It's, it's something that um, people really take to heart. 
Who who does a, a great job of it? I mean, would you say Barack Obama did a good job of tweeting? It was still relatively new for him. Mm-hmm. Well, I think, again, that's it's a bit of an opinion. Yeah. People would say Barack Obama. People would say Donald Trump does a good job. Sure. You know, so it, it really depends um, the type of content you like to consume, the way you operate on social media, the people you like to follow. Are there Kardashians doing a good job? I mean, that's all an argument, right? So it really, again, goes back to what the strategy and what the goal is for your content online. Okay, let's go to Bruce in Etobicoke. We have time for one last call. Bruce, go ahead. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. I I think Justin Trudeau wants to be a friend to everybody in the world. He wants to be known as more of a global prime minister than a national prime minister. And I think he's being unduly influenced uh, by, you know, please like me syndrome, but I also think he's being unduly influenced by uh, Sophie uh, Grenwall, his wife. Isn't she, uh, you know, leading some sort of movement, a women's movement around the world? Well, she does. She does speak on behalf of uh, women's movements and causes, certainly, as a a lot of uh, the wives of leaders do. But I think he should have notified Canada first and, and maybe, you know, made a statement to, to the people of Canada. He, there's certainly a contrast between his, his uh, leadership and, uh, and, and our Ontario Premier's leadership. Okay, Bruce, thank you. I think that that's a good call for you all to offer your final comments. Uh, Warren Kinsella? Yeah, I don't think there, there's any dispute. He couldn't, Trudeau couldn't be much more different than Doug Ford. But, I, you know, uh, I've been critical of this tweet, but Trudeau for, obviously has gotten social media to work for him. And, you know, he won a massive election victory, a huge majority government in 2015, doing exactly the kind of stuff we're talking about now. I think what's changed uh, and what's different is people have gotten a little weary of it or wary of it. They don't really like it so much. You know, there's no question he's got social media sizzle. But the question they're asking, I think a lot of people are asking, is, you know, does he have social media stake? Is there, is there some seriousness behind all of this stuff? For sure, he's good at, you know, picking up followers and, and all that good stuff. But there's more to the job than that. And is he doing that part of the job? And that's the question that people are asking. We will have to leave it there. Uh, the news is coming up here in 40 seconds. I thank you all for your time. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. Warren Kinsella, former Liberal staffer, Toronto-based lawyer, author and consultant, conservative strategist, activist John McTitian, and social media expert Lauren Sheriff. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.